Good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to the Vineyard. Glad you're here. My name is Adam Russell. I'm the pastor at the Vineyard. Happy Sunday. Hey, Harley, why don't you come on up? Kyle, you want to come up? Let's do this. Everybody say hello to Harley and to Kyle. Yeah, all right. Hey, we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do a little prophetic ministry before we begin here. I've asked these guys to maybe get a word or two before we start the message, and we're gonna do that. Um, here you go, Harley. For those of you who don't know, or maybe have never seen this, prophetic ministry is just uh, it's the ministry of encouragement. Uh, it's First Corinthians chapter fourteen, verse three, where Paul says that the one who prophesies speaks to men for their edification, exhortation, and comfort. So we're not like gonna freak anybody out or anything but yeah we got harley anything uh yeah um this morning i was praying and i it's it's really obvious but i really feel like you know i mean this this church as a whole and you know individually that um we're definitely plowing new ground like i saw um like road work ahead like a, a sign you know road work ahead and it it wasn't like we were like filling in potholes, you know, and like, you know, repairing a cracked road. It was like we were, we're building a new road, and that allows people to um, go places, you know, that, you know, you couldn't before, you know, and um, with the Lord and your relationship with the Lord, and you know, really anywhere that applies. I feel like, um, so. Um, you right there, what's your name? Uh, hi, Rick. Um, I saw the Lord and he was handing you a torch with a huge flame. And I feel like he's handing you his flame and he's calling you into, uh, something new and something great and just full of fire and full of him. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what it is, but I feel like it is something that is completely, uh, new, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's it's something else. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Anything else? We're gonna. You're you're both gonna get another word. I'm I'm sensing that we're no. about to hear your hear your message. No. <laughs> Yeah, let's just wait here for a second. Let's just, let's just wait here just for a second. Yeah, here. I'll take that. I want, you, I want you guys to get one more word for someone in the room, okay? Okay. Yeah. We're doing training right now here at the Vineyard. Uh, train them up. Uh, got anything, Harley? No. Harles, what you got? I'm, I'm trying. Here. Yeah. I really am, God. No. 
Tell you what, we're going to play a different game. Okay. I like games. I'm going to, we're going to do something just a little bit different. Hey, Sean, why don't you stand up just for a second? We're going to give this, we're going to prophesy to this guy right here. All right. All right. Kyle, why don't you get a word for Sean? And as soon as you get a word, you can give one for him. All right. Go for it. Yeah, here you go. There you go. No, it's good. Uh, Sean, right? Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Kyle. Nice to meet you. Um, I saw a, uh, a road that was like, uh, there's also a figure eight. And I saw the Lord just smush that and straighten it out. Come on. So, Amen. that's so, a good yeah. word. Stop. It's, it, it's a really, that's a really good word. That's a good word. Harley, got anything? That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sean, here's what I feel like. I feel like this is a season where the Lord is asking you to be bold. And I feel like you've been bold in some areas in your life before, but this is a new kind of boldness. Uh, I feel like there's been a kind of boldness in your life that has expressed itself in sort of like youthful exuberance. It's the boldness that comes from being a young man, but now the Lord's asking you, I'd like you to be a man. And it's the boldness that comes from being a, a full-grown man. It's the boldness that comes from being a man who makes plans. It's the boldness that comes from being a man who sets the course for his life, uh, for the man who isn't just looking for uh, the thing that uh, his own father has given him, but it's the dream that's in his own heart. And it's, it, there's, a, there's a season in your life right now where the Lord's asking you to take a risk, and he's going to meet you in the risk. Uh, you're not alone, but there is a, there is a deepening and a... Um, there is a, a ferocity that's coming to, to the, even your own strength to, to lay hold of things. Uh, I feel like there has been, um, in your life, there has been a kind of, your life has been sort of a sail, and you've been blown here, and you've been blown there, and uh, now there is a place. What I see now is that you're becoming the sea captain, and you're not just on a boat that goes wherever the wind goes, but you're a man who knows the winds, and you're a man who can drive the boat. And this is, this, is a whole new, this is a whole new time where the Lord's taught you how to navigate some different waters. And he's going to give you a revelation in the stars. He's going to give you a revelation in the currents. And he's going to allow you to be able to take hold of the mast and take the boat where you need to go. Does that make sense? Amen. Amen. Hey, why don't we just pray for Sean real quick? Father, we just thank you for the things that you're doing in his life. God, we thank you that you're taking the figure eight. And you're straightening it out. We bless that word in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks, guys. Why don't y'all give Kyle and why don't y'all give Harley a hand? Good work. Awesome. Hey, why don't you all turn to your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. We're going to continue our series here at the Vineyard called Cosmic Christ. And while you're getting there, I want to start with this. Um, We'll start with this idea. It's this idea that everybody is looking for an edge. Everybody's looking for an edge. Um, I'm always looking for the next new thing. I don't know about you guys, but I'm I'm looking for the next new thing. I have a fascination with 
new things. I'm what you might want to call an early adopter. Uh, all, all, all being an early adopter means is that I'm willing to pay three times more for a product that's three times worse than it will be next year. Right? You guys remember the first iPods? I still have my, I, I had the first iPod that was ever released. I paid 600 bucks for it. You could, you could kill a room by just pulling it out. People would stop. We were, we were mesmerized by the fact that you could put 10,000 songs in your pocket. I love advancement, especially when it comes to technology. I love progress. And um, I love new things so much that they don't even have to be new things to catch my attention. It just has to look like a new thing. If it's new, I'm excited. And, and probably there's some people in the room who are the same way. Um, people in business are also looking for an edge too. Anything to get to the next level. This is like real common. If you own a business, one of the little things that's working in your brain is there's this little program that just keeps going, especially if you're a good businessman or a good businesswoman, and it's the, how can I get to the next level? How can I get to the next level in profit margins? And uh, how can we make ordering quicker? And how can we make ordering more accurate? And how can we train the employees more thoroughly? And how can we take less time to train them more thoroughly? These are the questions that people in business who are looking for the edge ask. And how can we ship it out quicker with more man hours? I've got a, several friends who uh, work over at the Amazon factory and one of the questions they deal with all the time is, how can we ship it out quicker with more man hours? That's, that's what you do. You're looking for an edge. Not only that, but um, this week I started working out again. You can probably tell. I'm pretty... Man, I'm, it's unbelievable. Check these pipes out. Oh, yeah, but I started working out again. Um, I'm 35, and from what I understand, they start running tubes down and up your body here in like the next five years, I'm really afraid of tubes and all things medical. So I started working out. Um, I don't know if my cholesterol was high. It just felt like it was. So I just, I got back to the gym, you know, it's one of those sort of deals, but I'm in the gym. And, uh, after I'd worked out a couple days, I was so sore, like my tonsils were sore. It was, and I'm sitting on the edge of this little bench contemplating whether I want to pick anything else up or not. And two rather large individuals were working out next to me. Two just giant men. Men with arms the size of oaks. Had a discussion. And the discussion, and I'm, I'm going to make this as generous as possible, but the discussion was, essentially, how can I get a breakthrough to be stronger? I've plateaued. What are you going to do? I don't know. What are you going to do? This is what I'm going to do. So the discussion was essentially, what can we do to break through so that we can put more plates on the steel objects that we're slinging around here? That was probably a bit more articulate than the discussion I actually overheard. (laughs) But I'm faster than those guys, so whatever. point is everybody's looking for an edge and by nature we hate it when we hit the limits of our abilities or our strengths or our profits or our possibilities and one of the things i've come to believe is this that if if this is true in 
if this is true, that we are looking for an edge, if it's true in technology, if it's true in business, if it's true in fitness, if it's true in all of those areas, it's probably true in the spiritual life too. People are looking for an edge. In, in fact, I can go ahead and confirm that for you. Uh, in my time as pastor, I've met a lot of people who were living frustrated Christian lives. Heck, I've spent a good number of years living a frustrated Christian life. And one of the reasons that I lived a frustrated Christian life was because I'd hit a wall. And I was frustrated because, I, you know, maybe I was living in a season where I hadn't heard from God in a bit. I don't know, anybody ever had that season? Like where, I mean, you know there's God. He's, But you don't hear anything. Like you read the Bible and it's just so many dusty black words on an ivory page. It's like, I know I'm supposed to like this, but it sucks and I don't hear anybody. You get frustrated. You get really frustrated. I've spent several years like that. Didn't hear really from God. Frustrated because there was a destructive pattern in my life I just couldn't get over. Anybody ever had a destructive pattern in your life that you couldn't get over? Anybody have a destructive pattern in your life right now that you can't get over? Is it leading to frustration in your life? Yeah. Frustrated because... We're looking for a spiritual edge, frustrated because we're looking for the secret, frustrated trying to get to the next level, just like so frustrated. Maybe somebody in this room can empathize with me. Maybe somebody here knows what I'm talking about. Probably you're here right now. Probably this room is filled with people who are looking for the edge and that that search has even crept its way into your spiritual life. Well, uh, really good news this morning. Uh, The Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Spirit, has some wonderful words for us this morning. This is Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. This is all we're going to look at this morning. It's going to take us eight years to get through this letter of Colossians. This is what Paul says. He says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus as the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Here's the first thing that we need to see this morning. The first thing that I want you to grab hold of is this, that what we've received is all that we need. Look at what Paul says to the Colossian church. He says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, so walk in him. Translation, what you received is all that you need. If you've got a pen or a paper or a Bible, if you've got a little marking device, you should underline that and you should double underline walk in him. And we'll get back to that in just a moment. What we've received is actually what you need. Sometimes you're on a lookout for the next new thing. And sometimes you're frustrated with your spiritual life. And sometimes we're all just flat bored. Anybody ever like, got really bored in their spiritual life? Like Church is boring. The people who go to church are boring. The Bible is boring. Everything that happens around Christians is boring. Uh, they don't ever do anything fun. Uh, and not only is it, it's, it's, it's beyond activity-based. It's just that the whole con- I'm bored with the concept. I'm bored with everything that is attached to every Christian concept. I'm bored. Everybody ever been there? Yeah, sometimes we just get flat bored. And sometimes deep inside, we're looking for the next level. All the while, the new thing is rooted in a really old thing, a really original thing. That's what we see right here. That's what the Apostle Paul is telling us. This is why remembering your early days as a believer is so important. Look at what Paul says. He says, Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Everything that we need is what we've already received. And this is why... 
a lot of times the key to, to being... Uh, to taking another step with Jesus is actually something old that we've already done and gotten bored with. And it's one of the reasons why you and I need to remember what it was like when we first put trust in Jesus. Can you remember that? Like at all. Here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to do, um, we're gonna do uh, group therapy. You guys ready for that? This is going to be awesome. Go ahead and close your eyes. Like, I don't like closing my eyes. Do it anyway. All right. I'm going to pray. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you now, okay? Holy Spirit, would you take us back to that moment when we first put trust in you? God, would you take us back to that season when we were first living a new life in you? God, would you bring up any memory, any feeling, any emotion... That is connected to those days. able to grab a hold of something it's so important to be able to grab a hold of something so important see we need to remember what it was like when we first believed we need to remember what it was like when we first trusted jesus we remember we need to remember what it was what we did then uh the humility of heart the knowledge that you were loved and the realization that you were free uh the feelings change over the years but the simple trusting heart is the same. We need to grab onto that simple trust in Jesus. And Paul says, walk in that. That's what he says. Grab onto that and walk in that. Some of us in the room are looking for another level. Some of us are looking for the next level. Some of us are looking for a, um, a higher level of revelation. Some of us are looking for a higher level of anointing. Some of us are looking for a more specific or a more significant level of experience with Jesus. Some of us are looking for another platform and recognition or a deeper level of freedom. And here's what I'm here to tell you this morning. I'm here to tell you there is no other level. There is no higher level. There is no greater level of anointing. If you go searching for higher levels of anointing, you will get frustration. There is no higher level of anointing. There is no higher level of revelation. There is only a more mature expression of that original yes to Jesus. That's all there is. And we know it from the scriptures that we've been studying. Here in Colossians, Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, he says that there's this mystery that's been hidden from the ages, but it's now revealed. What is the mystery hidden from the ages now revealed? Christ in you, the hope of glory. If Christ in you, the hope of glory, is living on the inside of you, what other level is there? Another scripture. This one's even nuttier. It's a few verses past where we're at this morning. But in Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, Paul says that the fullness of deity dwelled bodily in Jesus, and we have been filled with Him who is the head of all rule and authority. 
If the fullness of deity dwells in Jesus, and if we have been filled with him who is the head of all rule and authority, what else is there? It's not a trick question. The answer is nothing. There is no higher level. There is simply a more mature expression of that original yes and trust in Jesus. One of the things I would really, really love here at the Vineyard, I would love it if uh, the Vineyard Church just gave up all level-oriented worldviews and all level-oriented language. I would love it because there are no other levels. Once a person puts trust in Jesus, they get the whole package. They don't understand the whole package. You don't understand the whole package. I don't understand the whole package. People who have lived with Jesus 80 years still don't understand the whole package. Understanding is irregardless. There is no other level. There is simply a more mature expression of that original yes and trust in Jesus. We need to get rid of all level-oriented language. It only leads to frustration. That's all it leads to. It's all it leads to. Not only that, but level-oriented mindsets are nowhere to be found in the New Testament. The concept that is all over the New Testament is immaturity and maturity. Growing into maturity. Level-oriented mindsets invariably lead to anxiety. How does it lead to anxiety? Well, it leads to anxiety like this. We begin to compare ourselves. I compare my walk with Jesus to your walk with Jesus. I compare my insight with Jesus to your insight. I begin to ask myself, do I match up? What do I need to do to get to that next place in God? I become consumed with getting to the next place in God that doesn't exist. Uh, the most common thing that I run into as a pastor is, it's, it's a variation of the same thing. It is people trying to get to another level in God, or people who think they're in another level in God, when really they're just, they're just growing. There is no other level. It leads to frustration. It leads to anxiety. Level-oriented mindsets simply lead to anxiety. What do I need to do to get to the next place in God? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? Suddenly, I'm freaking out. Like, I'm totally freaking out. I've compared myself to everyone. I'm filled with anxiety. I want to get to the next place in God. There is no other level. I'm fighting against the false dichotomy. And the next thing you know, I'm completely freaking out. When Isaiah said that of the increase of his government and peace, there'd be no end. I've got anxiety when Isaiah promises peace. Dang, that's a bummer. That's a bummer. Not only that, but level-oriented mindsets also lead to competition. Brothers and sisters become people to compete with. By the way, you will never know I'm competing with you, but I'm competing with you. <laughs> I'm competing with you. Uh, you ever been around that guy who had to tell you every single thing he knew about Jesus? Like he was compelled. I'm compelled to tell you everything I know about Jesus. You ever been in a conversation where someone is sharing something about the Lord only to have that person cut off by the super spiritual third degree black belt in Jesus dude who tells them like the super spiritual stuff that he knows. Oh, if you guys are impressed by that, let me tell you about this angel I saw one day. The guy who can't shut up about the angel he saw, never mind the fact that this person over here had a really awesome encounter with Jesus. You ever been around that guy? He's the worst. He's the worst. Get him out. Get him out. The person who couldn't hear someone else's story or life without interjecting their own. 
Now, I'm not talking about the, uh, the sort of encouraging conversation that emerges around the presence of Jesus, maybe at your dinner table, when somebody tells a story about Jesus, and then you tell a story about Jesus, and then someone else tells a story about Jesus, and then someone else tells a story about Jesus, and then suddenly we all realize we're talking about the guy who's actually in the room. You ever had that experience? Yes, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Mr. Expert Guy, who can never let anyone else have the final say. What is that? It's an expression of a level-oriented mindset and a guy who wants to be known as the expert. Anytime you run into that person, they're always telling you two stories at once. The first story is about this or that, this, this or that thing they know in Jesus. The second story is this, I'm an expert. I was once in an abnormal psychology class where anytime someone told a story about how messed up they were, someone else would immediately tell a worse, more humiliating story about themselves. <laughs> like it didn't matter, what, it didn't matter what, what abnormal thing we were studying in psychology, someone would own up to having that disorder and then the next person would own up to having that disorder at a deeper level. Ever been there? I eventually got all of those people to shut up and there were no more stories told after the one story I told for the whole semester. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I can't tell you that story. It is inappropriate for this place. See, level-oriented mindsets lead to competition. And once we get to competition, it causes selfish ambition to be the measuring stick for our own lives. It takes deep root. Once we get to competition, we begin to see people less as members of Jesus' own body and more as opponents for us to defeat. When we take on a level-oriented mindset, we'll eventually come into a place of competition. And when that happens we begin to make people the enemy rather than the enemy the enemy. Anytime I'm uh, hanging out with someone and uh, they're the sort of person that the problems in life are always other people, I know I'm dealing with someone who is looking for levels and they're competing. All the problems are other people. They're competing. People are the enemy rather than the enemy is the enemy. This is why a maturity-oriented mindset is so much more helpful. It's so much more helpful simply because, A, there are no other levels. There are just immature and mature expressions of basic trust in Jesus. And I know that some of the really smart people in the room are going... Ha, I've got you. Maturity and immaturity are just two more subsets of levels. To you, I would say, no, they're not. No, they're not. They're completely different because one is anxiety-filled, whereas the other one's filled with peace. Consider this. Consider this. No one can make themselves older. You can't try to be older. You can't wish yourself older. Uh, not only that, but no one holds it against an eight-year-old boy for being an eight-year-old boy. No one looks at eight- and nine-year-old boys and says, I'm going to judge you because you're not 24- and 25-year-old men. 
No boy can wish or work himself into manhood. We simply submit to the processes of our own biology. Uh, No one can struggle themselves into LeBron James' genetics. Have you seen him? He's He's a tailless bull that can jump over anyone. His shoulders are this big. And no one can struggle themselves into LeBron James' genetics. If they could, I would. I would. But you can't do it. You can't do it. You can simply submit to the processes of your own biology. You just live out what you receive. You receive something from your mom and dad, and you just you, you, you live it out. You grow into your own. In level-oriented mindsets, it's a bummer, because there's levels out there that I can probably never touch. But here, here in maturity oriented worldviews, what I have is I have Christ. And He has me. I have all of Him. He has all of me. And now I'm simply growing into a mature expression of the Jesus who has me. Totally different. Totally different. In maturity-oriented mindsets, there's simple trust in Jesus and who He is. That is, after all, the only thing that made any difference. God has done something in the world, and I said yes to it. I didn't even understand what it was that I was saying yes to. I want you to think about this for a second. Uh, The thing that matters is what God has done in the world, and somehow you and I got a tiny glimpse of something, and we began to trust in it. Which is to say that good doctrine and uh, right teaching and lots of understanding don't save you. No one in the room was saved because they had good doctrine. Uh, You can't know yourself into salvation. You just can't do it. In fact, when you first met Jesus, when you first believed, you didn't even totally understand what you were believing. You had no clue what you were saying yes to. Am I right? You were just like, I feel the love of God, and I don't think he's going to throw me into a pit of fire. And you began to believe that. You might have known something about a cross. You might have known something about Jesus in a tomb. You might have even known something about him getting up. But when we even think about that, do we really even understand what resurrection is? No. The truth is, no, we don't understand. We just believe something. Our yes in our heart, that fluid thing in our heart, began to believe and began to say yes and began to move toward God rather than away from him. And something happened inside of us. Like good doctrine doesn't save anyone. You can't, you can't have right answers into heaven. No one is saved by good doctrine. No one is brought into the life of God because they understood rightly. Being rooted and built up and established in the faith, growing into maturity doesn't happen because we get all of our doctrine just right. You can have all the right answers and not grow at all. And it also doesn't happen because we have a tremendous supply of revelation or because we know this or that or because we became, as it were, a third degree spiritual black belt. Being rooted and built up and established in the faith, reaching maturity, happens by what God has done. And as what we see here, we just receive it. As you received, God did something and you received it. That's it. There are no spiritual black belts. You just received it. You just said yes. You didn't even know what you were saying yes to. You just, uh, yes. It's crazy. It's crazy. And the way to the next thing is to say yes. 
to say yes to things you either know or to say yes to things you don't know, to be willing to process with God along lines that you don't even understand. Trying to go out and get answers will not take you to another level. It is possible to apprehend answers and never have a heart that says yes. It's possible to say this to God. God, I will only deal with you on right answers. I'm only willing to deal with you at an intellectual, conceptual level, which is no greater than what the demons in hell. Like, you know, you guys understand that all the demons in hell know that Jesus is the son of God. (laughs) No one obeys him. Simple yes in the heart. Like having, having the answers overrated. Being rooted and built up and established in the faith happens by what God has done. And we just receive it. We receive it with a yes, that fluid yes. And what we receive is quite powerful. Gospel of John says that Jesus is the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. I was thinking about that the other day. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Uh, He's not the Lamb of God who takes away some of the sins of the world. He's the Lamb of God who takes away all the sins of the world. Like God has done this amazing thing. He has taken away all the sins from everybody who ever lived, even the really rotten ones. And we're like, well, I don't know about that, Pastor. Yeah, yeah, everyone sins, all of them. Think of the worst person. The worst person that you can think of, that dude. Jesus, taking care of everybody's sins. Like, we're just, we're stepping into something here that was a lot deeper from the very beginning than we thought there was. There is no elementary school in Jesus. It's all just advanced courses. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, I love this. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. In another translation, it says everything we need for life and godliness. Did you know that you have everything you need for life and godliness right now? It's, it's not a matter of uh, getting a revelation so I'll, I'll be able to do something in God. You already have everything that you need. And you're either expressing that uh, in a mature or an immature way. Uh, that, is, that is releasing to me either a... a, a Little small yes or a no. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5 it says that we have been predestined for adoption as sons. This is all over the New Testament. The, maybe one of the main gospel proclamations in the whole New Testament is this. That we were rebels and God says, no you're not, you're sons and daughters. If you're a son and you're a daughter, what else is there? If God says, you're a son, and God says, you're a daughter, what other level is there? There is no other level. There are no other deeper places. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says that, it's talking about Jesus, it says that he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. The truth is, this morning, every person in the seat is already the righteousness of God, whether you believe that or not. The great gospel paradox has been applied to you and has been applied to me in this way. Jesus, the richest in the universe, became poor that you and I might receive his riches. Jesus, the most alive man in the universe, became dead that you and I might be risen to life. Jesus, the most perfect, Jesus, the righteous, became sin and ugliness that you and I might be righteousness. And by the way, that's an already. There is no other level. There is a continual saying yes and yielded heart to Jesus. And here's the kicker. 
When I first trusted Jesus, I couldn't articulate any of that. I couldn't tell you anything. I just knew that Jesus loved me and that he died for me. Looking, looking back, I couldn't even really tell you what that meant. I could recite it to you. I had no concept of what Jesus loves me and dies for me means. I had none. I just began to believe. See, it isn't our articulation that saves us. And it isn't our articulation that matures us. It's simple trust. Simple trust. That's what Paul says. As you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in Him. The yes that you had, that's the yes that will mature you. Being able to articulate and do theological backflips doesn't mature you. In fact, it might, might harm you. But being able to say yes to Jesus, oh, that'll grow you up on the inside. The reason I say that is this, because some of us in the room are going hard after articulation. Some of us in the room are going hard after good doctrine. And some of us in the room are going hard after the, for the next level of revelation. We want to be like a super prophet. I'm going to be a super next level uh, revelation prophet. And I'm here to tell you there is no le- next level. There is no super level. There is no black belt. There is no third degree. It's just you got Jesus. And when you got him, you got all of him. And the only thing that grows you up into maturity is a simple yes in Jesus. Study your brains out apart from a heart that's willing to say yes to the lordship of Jesus. No maturity. And so what Paul is saying to us this morning is, what you first received, walk in that. Remember that. Don't ever lose hope in that. Don't ever lose sight of that. Don't ever let go of that. That thing you first received, you should walk in that. We never grow up past a yes in Jesus. There is no higher level than yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus is the most mature thing any disciple can ever say. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Lord. What's so interesting about that is that it's the very doorway into the kingdom. When you first said, yes, Jesus, you did the most advanced thing you could ever do. There's nothing more than yes. There's nothing smarter than yes, Lord. There's nothing more complete than yes, Lord. What we received is the Lordship of Jesus, and the way forward is to continue to receive the Lordship of Jesus. It's the essence of Christian maturity. This is how we enter the new thing, and this is how we grow in Jesus, and this is how we pass out of immaturity, by saying yes to Jesus, just like we used to. Ironically, looking for maturity, or looking for the new thing, or looking for growth, doesn't necessarily mean that you'll receive the Lordship of Jesus. In fact, maybe you'll just get a lot of info a couple weird experiences, and become a strange person. No, don't get me wrong. I like weird experiences. But going for weird experiences apart from developing a yes in my heart toward Jesus, not as useful. Paul has a language for it. It's called clanging symbols. It's also interesting to me that Paul says, 
that this is the thing that we're supposed to walk in. Let's put the Colossians. There you go. Thank you. He says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, he says, walk in him. I want you to underline that little phrase, walk in him. And the reason I want you to underline that is this. So interesting. It's interesting because of what Paul doesn't say. Paul doesn't say, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so run in him. He doesn't say, so as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, start sprinting in him. He actually just says, just walk in him. And that's a word that I know I've needed to hear in my life. And I think it's a word that a lot of us in the room need to hear. You don't have to run in Jesus. You don't have to sprint in Jesus. Uh, You don't have to beat anyone else because it isn't a race or a competition. You don't have to get on a jet plane of super spirituality in Jesus. You just have to walk. And I believe that Paul instructs the church to walk because of this. Walking is actually sustainable. Walking is the one thing that's sustainable your whole life. You start running, you're eventually going to stop running. And I don't care how fit you are. If you start running, you will eventually stop running. And when you stop, depending on how long you run, the, the, the events after that may be disastrous. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to urinate in my pants. You guys seen those marathoners? They're just running. They're just peeing everywhere. I don't want to do that. Apostle Paul says, walk in him. Walking is sustainable. This is about our whole lives. Even Kenyan marathoners can't run their whole lives. I want you to hear that. Even the most highly trained athlete cannot run their whole lives. Not at one time and not over a season of time. There will eventually come a time and age in your life when you cannot run any longer. Paul is asking us to do something in Jesus that's sustainable. Something for your whole life. It's walking. Eventually your knees go out, but not if you walk. Walking is sustainable. And I'm pretty sure it says something about the pace of our ability to grow into the fullness of Jesus is Lord. You can't run into a mature expression or a mature experience of Jesus is Lord. You can just walk into it. How many of you understand that, um, that there, are, there are limits to what, um, to what I'm able to assimilate uh, in the instruction, training, and discipleship, and affections of the Lord? Have you, have you ever noticed that? Like, I can't just do it all at one time. Like, it may all be present to me, but I can't be present to it all at once, if, if I can say it like that. Um, a lot of times what the Lord is doing in my life is uh, particular, just one or two things and real slow. Why? Because he wants us to assimilate it. He wants us to get it deep. He wants us to get it all the way worked through. It's that lump of dough that has the yeast of the kingdom in it. It's beginning to grow. God's saying to us something about pace and our ability to grow into the fullness of of Jesus is Lord. I want to read you something this morning. There's an amazing Japanese theologian. We don't often read Japanese theologians in church. Not here in the West anyway, but we should. His name is uh, Kosuke Koyama. I like that. This is what he says about life with Jesus. He says, love has its speed. It's a spiritual speed. It's a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed. It goes on in the depth of our life, whether we notice it or not, at three miles an hour. 
It's the speed we walk and therefore the speed the love of God walks. You don't have to run. You don't have to sprint. All you have to do is walk. It goes deep down. One of my favorite guys in the Bible is Peter. Peter's this fisher guy, and Jesus says, Hey, Peter, why don't you come follow me around? Remarkably, Peter does. When you read that story, you're you're tempted to believe that it's fake. Peter's been fishing his whole life. He's got his boats there, and he he just leaves them. It'd be like me walking right out of sunshine and just, like, not even locking the door, never going back. That's what Peter did. He walked out of sunshine and never went back. And he follows Jesus around. And it's that first little yes to Jesus that made such a profound impact in his life. We see this, right? So Jesus is like, hey, come follow me. Peter says, okay, and he leaves everything, leaves the family business. Dad's out in the water floating. Where are you going? I don't know. You understand that Peter couldn't even articulate what he was saying yes to. There's such a salvation narrative here happening. I love this. He has no clue what he's saying yes to. He just starts following the man around. Falls him around for three years, sees unbelievable things. Eventually he comes to this spot in his life where he says, you know, Jesus, I understand it's getting tough for you. No matter what, I'm never going to leave you. Even if everybody else leaves you, I'm not going to leave you. I'm your guy. But 30 minutes later, he's like, I don't have any idea who Jesus is. <laughs> you know? Not only that, but he's like, hell no, I don't know who Jesus is. Bible says that he denied knowing Jesus with cursing. He's like, I don't, I don't have a clue who this guy is. A few days later, Jesus comes back after he's resurrected. And he says to Peter, Peter's back out fishing. He's like, hey, Peter, do you love me? Peter's like, oh, you know I love you. Totally love you. He's like, well, then feed my sheep. And he does this three times. And you read this story, and you're like, oh, it's gut-wrenching. Totally gut-wrenching. And he says yes to Jesus again. So he's back in the Jesus team. In fact, he was never out. He thought he was out. Jesus knew that he wasn't. He just came to reconfirm that. It was a yes to Jesus. Now, now, a few days later, like five weeks later, Peter's standing up in front of probably 10,000 people. And he's preaching, Jesus is Lord. Preaching this stuff. So he had a yes to Jesus that lasted about three years. He had another yes to Jesus, and a few weeks later, he's preaching in front of about 10,000 people, and he's preaching Jesus is Lord. In fact, the sermon goes like this. There's a guy who came from God, and you guys killed him. Hectic sermon. The guy who was afraid is now standing in front of the very same people who crucified Jesus and saying, you did it. Hectic, hectic place. 3,000 people come to faith in that one day. Then Peter goes on. He's like the apostle guy. That yes, keeps meaning something. He's matured. Now he's apostle. He's like planting churches and stuff. And he's hanging out one afternoon and he's on top of a roof and he has this vision. And on the, in this vision, there's this big sheet that gets let down. I love visions. I've had a few. Highly recommend them. And he has this sheet that comes down and has all these animals on it. And he hears the Lord say, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And he's like, Lord, I, I swear, 
that's cool, but man, I've never eaten those animals. You know they're unclean. I'm a good guy. Like, I don't do that. And Jesus like, don't call it unclean. I call it clean. Next thing you know, there's a knock at the door. Hey, won't you come to Cornelius' house? Peter hears the Spirit say, go with him. On the inside, Peter says, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Goes to Cornelius' house. Preaches a sermon to the Romans. They're Gentiles. And the Romans get baptized and filled with the Spirit. Peter has his understanding of the yes and the, and the depths to which God was doing a totally worldwide work expanded based upon this series of yeses in his life. Do you see that? And so the Peter who's standing at Cornelius' house is radically different than the Peter who was first standing on the boat with Jesus. But in between, the only thing that matters is yes, Lord. There are no other next levels. There is only yes, Lord. For instance, I, I didn't always like I didn't always like raw oysters. I also didn't always like bone marrow. You guys ever eaten any bone marrow? It's wonderful. If you ever go to a really nice Italian restaurant, order the asabuco, there will be a big shank from the cow and there's all this really great meat around it and there'll be some yummy sauce in it but right in the middle of that bone shank is the good stuff and that's the bone marrow and it comes up like butter and you just want to find some crackery crusty bread and some good wine and it sounds disgusting but the only reason you think it sounds disgusting is because you've never had it on in your mouth and then then you're just your whole world changes someone offers you bone marrow you just say yes when you say yes your heart and your mind about that changes forever. People change. Likewise, I didn't always like reading my Bible. I don't know about you. Some of you in the Bible in the room probably understand what I'm talking about. There's there was a time in my life where I hated reading the Bible. It stunk. It was like, what is this? This is a, the the longest, most nonsensical, boring book I have ever had in my entire life. Right? Like, no. Understand at the time that I was that I thought this, it was also the same time where I loved Jesus. Like, I loved Jesus and I thought his book was stupid. It's like, Jesus, you're great. You wrote the worst book I have ever... I don't understand how such a sweet, kind, and intelligent man could write such a ridiculous book. But I kept saying yes to Jesus, and eventually I started liking his book. There was another time in my life where I hated being quiet. Like, I really hated the quiet, because when you get real quiet, especially being quiet by yourself, when you get really quiet by yourself, then you start to hear the other voices. Hated being quiet. Hated it. Because when you get real quiet, you start hearing things you didn't hear before. Like the fans in that little guy right there. You didn't even know they were going until we got quiet. But then I kept saying yes to Jesus and something happened and now I just want to sit real quiet by myself. Why? So I can hear the voice. Not the other voices, but just the voice, right? The, the little
See, if you're looking for ways to like your Bible, if you're trying to beat yourself up so that you like the Bible, or if you're trying to be a more peaceful person who can hear the voice of God and is at rest, uh, you probably won't get there by trying to like the Bible and being a peaceful person. (laughs) Um, In fact, if you're trying to like the Bible by reading the Bible, you'll probably just end up hating the Bible. Or you'll convince yourself that you actually like it and you start beating other people up with the Bible. (laughs) Has to come from love. Has to come from a place of, yes, Jesus, yes, Lord. Has to come from, you've won me over and I don't even understand what you've won me over to. (coughs) So this morning, if you're looking for the spiritual edge, or if you're afraid that you might be missing the spiritual boat. I hate that one. That's that one. There was a whole season in my life where I was afraid I was going to miss the spiritual boat, right? Uh, Some of you know what I'm talking about. This is a really particular fear. Uh, This one is really specific to uh, a certain personality type, and I'm one of the personality types that that has this fear. It's this fear that God's going to do something, and it's going to happen with some people, but it won't happen with me. Uh, that's, That's garbage. Uh, The Father is at work everywhere. Jesus says, my Father is always at work. My Father is always at work. And the fear that I'm going to be left out is basically just level-oriented thinking that uh, that I've got to go find it. No, uh, no you don't. Uh, God is working everywhere. He's working all over the world. Uh, God is non-geographic. And God is totally geographic. He likes one geography. He likes them all. Some of us in the room are really, really afraid. It's a specific kind of fear, and you know it's you if you've got it. It's the fear that he's going to do something somewhere, and I'm going to be left out. Or if I don't always get it exactly perfect, if I don't pray five hours a day, if I never become a third-degree black belt, super apostle, prophetic, third-heaven revelation person, that he's going to leave me behind. I'm here to tell you that's garbage. The Father is at work everywhere. He's at work in your life. The only thing that's required is yes. Keep saying yes just like you used to. It'll all work out. Don't worry. Some of us in the room are fighting for another level in God. Some of us have accumulated a lot of knowledge, but very little mojo. Some of us have exhausted ourselves because we were running. And there's good news this morning. And the good news is this. uh, What you've received is what you need. What you've received is what you need. You're already there. So long as what you've received is Jesus, you're already there. What you've received is what you need. You're already at the deepest levels in God. There are no deeper levels. You're already growing up into maturity in God. It's just a simple yes. You don't have to walk. You don't have to run. Walking is just fine. Because this journey we're on with Jesus is way longer than a marathon. Most of us haven't heard this. This thing with Jesus, it's really long. It's going to take a while. Walking's fine. You don't have to freak out. We should let go of all the like super spiritual anxiety. Because God is doing something that only requires simple yeses. Simple yeses. Yes, Lord. You can be the Lord of my life. You can, you can have permission to move in there. You can have a say right there. I'll let you. Amen? Amen. If you're on a mystery team this morning, why don't you come up?
Awesome. Hey, why don't you guys stand up? Let's uh, we'll pray to close this thing out. <clears throat> Thanks, Lord. Father, we we really appreciate that you are all we need. God, we appreciate that you have done everything that needs to be done on our behalf. God, I ask that you would continue to give all of us in the room, me included, God, that you'd continue to give us grace to keep saying yes to you. Keep saying yes. And Father, um, God, to the extent that um, level-oriented mindsets have taken root in our brain or in our heart, God, to the extent that the anxiety that comes from those kinds of mindsets and worldviews has wormed its way into our being, Father, we ask that you would deliver us from it even now. God, we let go of the anxiety of reaching for another level. And God, we simply, we simply invite your kingdom to more fully manifest itself in our lives. God, we ask for grace to keep saying yes to you. God, for those who of us who are given to run and doing non-sustainable works of the kingdom. God, for those of us who are given to living a lifestyle in you that is non-sustainable. Father, would you show us a new way? And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you're sick in your body in any way, we want to pray for you this morning. Or if you just need somebody to stand with you in prayer, we've got some people up. Come on up. Otherwise, give somebody a high five and a hug. Happy Sunday. Go Cats.